0: Just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. It is, after all, the one hour a day I spend away from my children. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 8th, the slumber party predicament edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who by the time this comes out will be nine years old. Oliver who's six and Teddy who's four and we currently live in Navarre Florida for like one
1: more month. <laughs> I'm Jamila Lemieux a writer contributor to Slate's and feeding parenting column and co-host of Slate's wild and wise evening chat show and mom to Naima who is eight and we live in Los Angeles California.
2: I'm Isaac Butler. I am a writer and the co-host of Slate's Working podcast, and I am the father to Iris, who is six
1: and a half. The half is important. <laughs> half is very important.
2: I've I'm learning that. I've yes. learned that this year,
1: especially at six, that's at the point where they know. Yes, yes.
2: A year is such a a, a higher percent of their lives that it makes that sense that half true. a year would would mean a lot, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's you know, like one twelfth of her life that we're talking about. If we're talking about the half birthday. <laughs> Whereas when you're ancient like myself, (laughs) six months is meaningless.
0: (laughs) Nothing flies by. Well, Isaac, we're so glad that you are joining us on today's show. We have a question from a mother who lost their first daughter to stillbirth. Her second daughter is now a newborn and she's wondering when to tell her second daughter about her lost older sister. Then we've got a sleepover conundrum. Our letter writer's daughter is 10 and wants a girls-only slumber party, but her boy cousins want an invite. Should they be put on the guest list? On Slate Plus, we'll be talking about sparking creativity in kids. But let's start out with triumphs and fails. Isaac, so you're first. So for your return to the show, do we have a triumph or a fail this week?
2: I feel like you got to bring the fail when you uh, <laughs> return as a guest host, right? I did a triumph last time. Yeah. This is a very small one, though. I just want to share it because I think it's, 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 it's people will hopefully find it cute you know we're doing zoom school this week everyone's favorite thing school over zoom on a on a really crappy chromebook that the school provided where doing anything is incredibly arduous and uh at one point i'm trying to get something loaded so that i can print it and then i accidentally signed us out of it and you know who knows and and i I just was filled with such rage such rage uh I, we try not to yell either at or around Iris whenever possible. We try not to swear at or around, you know, because we're trying to model how we want her to express her feelings. And at this point, I'm ready to snap this friggin' thing in half. Uh, and I just go, God damn it. And I hit myself on the leg because it's either that or I'm going to break this thing. And there's just this like silence. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I did. The, I did the thing. I did the thing that I'm not supposed to do. And I'm pretty good at not doing it. I just fucked this whole thing up. And then Iris comes up to me and she starts digging through the drawers of her desk. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she comes and she hands me a blank piece of paper and she goes, "Dada, draw your feelings and then tear (laughs) the piece of paper up. And I was like, my daughter is teaching me emotional resilience. All right. But I was like, Oh, sweetie, is that something they taught you to do in school when you get upset? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I have to get this stuff printed. I don't, I don't really have time. And she goes, well, you could just scribble and then just, you know, just express it and then, and then tear it up. And I was like, well, how about later I draw this Chromebook and you and I rip it up together. And she laughed and then we moved beyond the moment. So it was like a fail that my daughter salvaged. So that's my, that's my fail.
0: I love that. Now, we like to call that, though, a triumph because, you know, we're allowed. Yes, because we're allowed to take our children's uh, like successes and claim them as our own.
2: All right. All right. (laughs) Fine. Fine. Next time I'll have to do something terrible. I'll plan in advance to really fuck up as a parent because I did two triumphs in a row.
1: I love it. Jamila, how about you? I have a fail, as I often do, but this one's not related to parenting, so it's a little different. As I dip my pinky toe back into society, uh, I went to an outdoor event the other day and met a very handsome man. We exchanged info, and L.A. dating is crazy and weird enough, but it's also (laughs) been a pandemic. So it just was kind of like, oh, cool, you know, like, he's really fine, this is what's up. And we talked on the phone a few times over the past few days. And it wasn't until we had been, you know, I, I guess at this point have maybe had like five or six hours of conversation before he revealed that he had a girlfriend. And even though this is an open-ish situation, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, if if open is good for you, that's great. Like, I think that people should find what works for them. But it's just not what I'm personally looking for. So the fail was that I did not ask the most Entry level of dating questions. And I, as a woman who has been dating for like 20 years now, literally, which is sad as, you know, on its own, forgot to ask somebody if they had a partner because silly me, with my sweetness and naivete, I just assumed that you wouldn't be bothering me if you did. So that is my fail. However, there is an opportunity to turn this to a triumph. And this is to you, mom and dad listeners. Listen, like... You know, my whole life, I've always heard other black people talk about, like, how their white friends want to hook them up with the other black person they know. So none of my white friends have ever tried to hook me up with anybody. And so I'm putting this to you all because I don't think there are that many single black men that listen to this show. And not that all of you all are white. Many of you all are are black and women um, or black and married dads. Whoever you are, help me. Okay. (laughs) Over six feet tall, handsome, gainfully employed, smart, funny, awesome and amazing Los Angeles area, inbox me on social medias.
2: I gotta say, I I think you get a total pass for this because of all the scrambled madness of the pandemic, right? It's like, it just, everything's going haywire. And so it makes sense that you might forget the like the like rookie question.
0: It's like a re-entry mistake. You know, we're all gonna have to learn how to interact with other people again. This was just like, it was like a practice round, Jamil.
1: It doesn't count. It doesn't get This is preseason
2: for my high summer. Exactly,
0: preseason, you learn some things, you won't forget right. again. It's back. like,
2: look, ro- Roger Federer didn't play tennis for 15 months, he came back, he played one tournament, only did two matches, and then he was like, I'm not playing again for another two months, right? It's like, you gotta just dip your toes in, and then you get the data you learn, and then you, uh, you go back.
0: Well, I have a failure that my children also rescued, so at the end of this, I'm going to claim it as a victory, but I really had just, like, totally botched our Easter situation. There was a group that was doing a fundraiser where you pay them and they come put eggs, like, strew eggs in your yard. And I was like, this is great because this is something I don't have to take care of. I'm, like, participating in this fundraiser in my community. This is, like, perfect. Um, They came. They... Strewed eggs, the children woke up. There were like so many eggs in the yard. They were so excited that I was thinking they didn't really hide them. They were just kind of like everywhere in the yard. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a timed release, like let the little one run out first, then the next one, then the next one. So Teddy, I don't know exactly what happened as I was like setting up to take pictures because that was the other thing. I like made them wait so that I could be in the perfect spot to take pictures. This is where things really start to break down. There was some conversation about what the Easter bunny is. The oldest child, Henry, was like, no, no, there's not one Easter bunny on Easter. It's like magic and all the bunnies that live in the neighborhood, their poop becomes eggs. And somehow this, yes, (laughs) this set off... Some sort of situation where it was time for Teddy to run. He runs into the middle of the eggs. He, like, grabs a bunch. And as soon as we let Oliver go, he just starts pelting Oliver with these eggs. Like, he does not care that they are full of candy. He just wants nothing to do with them. He is, like, screaming. He is throwing them at the other kids. We kind of, like, bear hug him off. Oliver and Henry collect all these candy. And then it dawns on me, like, well, Henry can't eat any of this. Like, I had always intended to do a swap out of the candy, but I totally failed to brief that. So now Henry's like mad because I'm like making him like they're counting all their candy. And I'm kind of like, you can't eat any of this. Um, It has all these things in it that you're not allowed to eat. I have this other stuff I'm going to switch it for. I mean, it was just kind of like so poorly organized on my part. And in this, Jeff like takes an egg and he sticks it up on a mirror and like to be funny i guess and teddy like sees it and is like oh i found an egg and so jeff takes another one and he like puts it on a bookshelf and teddy's like oh i found an egg so now he's all into this egg hunt but he has missed the egg hunt from throwing <laughs> like a total mess and somehow my sweet oliver is like henry we can put the candy that you can't eat into these eggs and we'll hide them and Teddy can go find them. And that is what they did for the next like 45 minutes. They rehid eggs from the candy that Henry couldn't eat for Teddy, they thought it was hysterical because they got to choose these ridiculous places. They all had a great time. We like sat down to have our little Easter meal, and everybody was happy after what was just like a colossally disastrous moment. And they're like telling each other what a fun Easter it was. And I'm left being like, "Wow, I, you know, failed to do this, failed to do this, failed to do this." So I'm taking it as a win.
1: That is definitely a win.
2: Total win. Sibling dynamics can get so effed up, and then you have created sibling dynamics that instead uh, uh, bail you out in a crisis. Exactly. I think it's, it's exactly. great. We
0: can only hope this continues into adulthood, but.
2: Or now, at least into it. your road trip.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yes. Can we survive the time together? Can these children continue to lift up what will be numerous mistakes of planning on my part, for sure? <sighs> well,. Before we go any further, we are going to move on to the business. In Slate Plus, we've got some ideas to get your kids' creative juices flowing. Here's a little bit of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus.
2: There's some version of that for kids, which is giving them enough unstructured time that they can have ideas and creative impulses in the first place. And then whatever it is that they're choosing to do at that time, um, figuring out how to support it.
0: To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Dear Prudence, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on Mom and Dad are Fighting. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash plus. If you want to be notified about all things Slate Parenting, you need to sign up for Slate's parenting newsletter. Besides getting all of Slate's great parenting content in one place, including Mom and Dad are Fighting, Ask a Teacher, Karen Feeding, and much, much more, it's just a fun story from Dan directly into your inbox each week, so sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. Finally, if you want to connect with other parents, join our parenting group on Facebook. It's super active and moderated. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook.
2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in
1: our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
0: right, let's get on to our first listener question of the week. It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard.
4: There really is no easy way to say this, so I'll just say it plainly and fast. We lost our first daughter to stillbirth in 2019. I was 35 weeks pregnant. They couldn't find a heartbeat. Now, almost a year and a half later, I'm typing this letter while I breastfeed our gorgeous, healthy newborn daughter, Margot. With compassion, grace, and incredible support from family, friends, and medical professionals, we have found a way to live after our loss. But I think about our first daughter, who we call Pickle, every day. And as I watch Margot grow, I'm trying to find ways to incorporate pickle into Margot's understanding of our family. When and how do we tell her she had an older sister? As parents, we live with pain and joy side by side every day. But by introducing Margot to the concept of child loss, am I making her whole life colored with permanent sadness too? What are some ways we could continue to honor the memory of the daughter we lost without overburdening? Or overshadowing the daughter we are so lucky to have now.
2: So first of all, I just wanted to say to the the listener who's who's written in that you know I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss, and also very uh, happy for the the new addition you have to your family now, and that's that's really wonderful. Uh, there was a stillbirth. In my family, before my birth, there was a my my parents had a had a stillborn child before me, and you know th- I'll admit they were pretty tight lipped about the whole thing. And either I was too self involved, it was probably that I was too self involved, or sort of understood that they didn't really want to talk about it. We didn't really talk about it. In fact, I didn't talk about it with them until I was in my early thirties, and I just became like really curious about what their marriage was like with my older siblings before I was born, and and that they started opening up to me. Just so that you know, that's the experience that I come from my position here. You know, I would say that, first of all, just keep in mind that it is totally natural that your experiences over the last two years are raising lots of feelings and questions for you right now, but that you also have a lot of time to prepare for whatever this conversation is going to be. It's going to be years in advance. Your child doesn't talk yet. <laughs> it's going to be a while before that, before they can even understand the concepts that they would need to understand to really get what you're saying. It's it's going to be a while, so you have a, a great amount of time to prepare, and children love asking questions about where they came from and what you were like before they were born. Because like, there's a part where they figure that out. Their brain figures out that the world existed before them and it blows their minds. Your kid's going to ask you a lot of questions at that point. And if you follow their interest I think a a somewhat organic conversation is, is going to be able to develop there that, and you'll be able to figure out what's age appropriate. I I really believe that if you follow their interest and meet them where they are, but I do want to say, you know, you've said that you don't want this to be a burden for Your child. You want them to know the truth, but you don't want them to feel like there's a pall over their lives or like they have to emotionally caretake for you. And because of that, if you're not already seeing someone professionally to talk about this stuff, I do think it's really worth exploring that option. You've gone through what what teachers say are a lot of big feelings. That's what they say about our kids when we meet with it. Your kid has a lot of big feelings. You've gone through a lot of experiences that are raising a lot of big feelings, and it's probably worth Sorting some of that stuff out on your own so that you actually know what parts of that you want to tell your kid and what parts of it you might want to keep for yourself. So that's what I got to say.
1: I just was to say um, one also um, my sincerest uh, condolences for your loss and congratulations for the birth of your sweet baby girl. Having received a number of letters to Karen Feeding from children that were the child born after a pregnancy loss of some sort, a traumatic pregnancy loss. You know, there have been situations in which a child was provided this information before they were in the right place to fully receive it, or that, you know, parents that had not perhaps found really healthy, effective ways to manage their grief that had brought their grieving process to their children and, you know, to to their children on earth. In ways that they were not able to cope with, and that created some perhaps unnecessary trauma. So, I'd echo Isaac's suggestion that this is something that you discuss with the professional. That you all deserve support for what you've endured, uh, and and what you've celebrated in the past few years. And also, I'll just add this: when it does come time to think about, you know, is this a conversation that you're having with a child, you know, with your child as a child, or or one that you're having with your child as an adult? I think of my own child and how she processes traumatic or very sad information and it sticks with her in ways that I don't know that that's something like that. Like I I could imagine her really struggling with this at eight years old and maybe at 12. That's a different conversation. But I I think you have a long time uh, before this becomes something that becomes a part of the household's understanding of the family.
0: I have um, two very dear friends who have dealt with stillbirths in in the past few years, and both of them have handled it in bringing their children in fully to the process of grieving and of honoring this child as part of their family. Uh, insofar as saying, like, you are a little sister to Pickle, who has passed on, and for them. That has worked very well as as part of their way to grieve and honor this child's memory. Both of these people also seek counseling. And as their children have gotten older, um, the one couple has already older children. And so they have also been, you know, in counseling as part of the grieving of the loss of this baby. Because, of course, for the older children, they, of course, remember their mother being pregnant, going to the hospital and then coming home without a baby. Uh, for the younger ones, though, this is just like a part of their family. And the way they process it is by watching their parents process it. And I think that it has not been without difficulty, but in many ways it's no different than having a child in which your parent is already gone, but you want to include their memory. You know, even telling um, your daughter that it feels extra special because she came after this loss. Like you were this um, immense blessing because we had this loss. And it's almost like our love for that child is also wrapped up, you know, sort of in our love for this family. And I think that because your child is so young, if you get into the process of just having pickle be part of your family and part of your stories, that this just becomes part of your child's story. And, it, and again, this has to be something that you are comfortable with and the way that you want to process it. And that should be, you know, talked about with a professional, because I do think going down this road means that it is going to be a constant person that your child is asking questions about. And you need to be ready for that, as opposed to something you introduce kind of later in life. But at this point, as you introduce it, and they're growing up, they don't totally know the pain of loss right so it's not a painful thing to tell them you had this sister who's not with us now you need to be prepared for questions like well where is she and I that is a question of what you believe where she is something that is absolutely beautiful that our friend Teresa has done is that every year on her child's birthday the child that passed she invites kind of everyone in her life to do an act of kindness On behalf of her daughter Evelyn, who passed, uh, was stillborn. I think we're in her fifth year gone, and it has become this beautiful thing that is happening in their family's life that they go and do these acts of kindness and sign Evelyn's name. And she invites other people to do that as well. They've been very open and posting about dealing with their grief. And I don't think it makes the sadness any less. But I think what it has done is add this bright spot that this child that wasn't here is bringing good to the world. And that is very good for them. So I encourage you if this is the letter to me seems like they're looking for a way to include Pickle Mm -hmm. in their lives. And so I think there are ways to do that. And the disadvantage is that I think people don't want to do it because it makes us uncomfortable to talk about loss. And I want to say if you want to talk about the loss, it is okay. And it's okay for you to make other people feel a little uncomfortable. So if it makes you feel better to do something or choose a organization on behalf of your child or choose an activity or a way to get together, I think all of those are perfectly appropriate. And inviting other people to join you in that is a good way to to celebrate this life and this um, person that is with you, even when they're not physically with you. Well, Listener, thank you so much for writing in for your question. We are, of course, thinking of you and your family. And other listeners, if you have a question for us, email us at slate.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Now we're moving on to our second listener question, read once again by the fabulous Shasha Leonard.
4: My daughter is 10 years old and wants to have an all-girls slumber party. I recently mentioned the sleepover to my sister-in-law, She has twin boys who are the same age as my daughter and attend the same school. My sister-in-law expressed that her sons would want to be included in the sleepover. My first thought was, no way. It's perfectly natural for a girl to want an all-girls party. But my sister-in-law said my nephews would be crushed not to be included. They recently moved across the country to be close to us, and the boys have been slow to make new friends. They also have a household rule that the boys can only sleep over with family. I love my nephews. They are kind and respectful boys who are very close to my daughter, and the three kids regularly have sleepovers. But it also seems reasonable for my daughter to request a girl only party. Am I being old fashioned? Should I be asking my daughter to expand the guest list to include her cousins? Or is there a way to help my nephews still feel included and still honor my daughter's request? Thanks.
1: Slumber parties are where shit gets real, you know, in terms of the (laughs) gender division, and it sucks, you know, especially for those of us that want to raise children that do not, you know, see the world through a gendered binary, that are not overly, you know, fixated on what girls can and cannot do or what boys can and cannot do, Um, but you're not going to have a very easy time getting a lot of those other girls' mothers on board with a co-ed sleepover for 10-year-olds. Um, they're just kind of like maybe just a little bit too old, right? If we were talking about maybe six or seven-year-olds and a bunch of parents on duty and, you know, a six or seven-year-old sleepover sounds a little bit like a nightmare Nightmare, anyway, um, but maybe then. But now if we were talking about, you know, I have a nephew that... Uh, is most of his friends are girls and he does not you know feel comfortable being around groups of boys like if there was something to it like that then that might be a different conversation um these are your cousins you can have cousin time any other time if you want to you know have a pizza and cake situation before the slumber party starts which is oftentimes when you know Kids of of other genders would be included in what turns into a single gendered sleepover, right? That we do something first. Maybe, you know, maybe they can watch a movie or something, right? Maybe the party stuff is what they're present for. And then, you know, we roll into the sleepover. But I just think it would be so much more fun for you all to celebrate this birthday with the cousins in a different context than to try to fold them into an event that your daughter wants to be an all-girls sleepover. Like, when you want all-girls sleepover, you want all-girls sleepover. And I think that your sister-in-law needs to figure out how to explain to your nephews the power of the all-girls sleepover, how much it means (laughs) to little girls, and why, unfortunately, they cannot be a part of that.
2: I think it's bad to teach your daughter to change her plans to accommodate boys full stop regardless of what event we're talking about that's a bad lesson um and i know that's not how like that's just you know what it what it what it feels like from the outside looking at it it feels very different to be in the middle of that with a parent you don't want to offend your sister-in-law you know I, i understand that there's a lot of emotional pressure there but You know, your daughter didn't want a co-ed sleepover. She wanted an all-girl sleepover, and it's only one for crying out loud. She hangs out with these cousins all the time. They have other sleepovers. We're talking about one night where she does something different. It's just not that big a deal, I think. Probably strategically, in terms of managing your sister-in-law's feelings, you you probably have to make an immediate plan to do something else with the boys. Uh, I think the the pizza party beforehand is a great one, or a different sleepover. Let's get it on the calendar right now so that it takes the sting out. But I also want to say one other thing. I do really hope that these kids are all in a pod together. That's fairly restrictive, maybe with vaccinated parents, because like it is not actually safe to have a bunch of 10 year olds who uh, to be inside unmasked overnight, having a sleepover, except in like very, very narrowly specific circumstances. Kids can, at that age, can definitely asymptomatically carry the virus, particularly if you're in one of the states with the new variants. It travels uh, easier amongst those populations. Um, and so I do hope you're being being careful about this. And if those, those things that I've just mentioned are not true, I think you should consider canceling it personally.
0: So I absolutely agree with both of you in terms of the situation that we've been presented, which is like your daughter has asked for an all girl sleepover. It is absolutely okay to say... You can have an all-girl sleepover. Like, uh, regardless of the the these people being, you know, your family being close and them having sleepovers before. I do, however, kind of want to discuss the idea of like the co-ed sleepover outside of this particular question. Again, I'm I'm not talking about a situation in which your daughter has asked for an all-girl sleepover. Like you you should heed her this is what she's asking for for her birthday and there may be many reasons um many of which i can think of like there are i still want to have just girls nights even though i have male friends who i like hanging out with sometimes i just don't want to hang out with them that's okay
2: i feel Um, the same about my male friends i get it
0: yeah (laughs) i think though so when we lived in the netherlands the idea of a co-ed sleepover was much more mainstream at At nearly any age, given that there was an understanding of what the appropriate behavior was for that sleepover, that there were parameters for the sleepover. And obviously, given the specific kids in question, right, like maybe you don't have a sleepover with a bunch of like new preteen couples, but we would see older kids, our babysitters, things like that, frequently have sleepover parties in which there were boys and girls. And I started to really think about like, what are we what are we saying about all boys or our boys? If we say like, well, they can't be included in this, you know, friendship kind of level where you're sharing secrets and doing kind of, um, that kind of relationship building. And as a mom of three boys, some of who I think would be, this would be their ideal, like a sleepover with, uh, with a, with a co-ed group of people like them would be awesome for them. And they would excel. And one of my children in particular, in which I I would be like, this is not a good fit for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just wonder if we need to be thinking about whether it really needs to be all girls for the sake of being all girls or all boys for the sake of being all boys all the time. Like, can we not say to them, like, we tr- we are giving you some level of trust and not all, you know, people are going to act I,
2: I'm I'm totally fine with co-ed sleepovers. I mean, you know, I, I went to you know when you're in high school it's really like crashing at a friend's place and then there are people yeah. of, both, of, of all genders there do you know what i mean um and and my yeah. parents knew that that was happening and we were like if i went to new york city to visit friends from summer camp there is likely that at whoever's apartment we were at there would be both boys and girls there and there might be some making out there but segregating the genders is not going to stop there from being making out at a sleepover do you know what i mean like uh yeah. Yeah. there was a lull in the middle it was like there were co-ed sleepovers then there was like actually the prepubescent period there wasn't and then in high school there was but some of that was just because i didn't really have any friends so you know the um uh i'm i'm totally fine with it i think there are ways to structure it and to have conversations about it and to teach people about consent within it and all sorts of other things that it can be a a great learning experience i don't think as as you yourself have said it's going to work for every and not every kid is well suited to that you know but you know i did it all the time and I, i don't see any any problem with it frankly
1: I think one thing that we as parents can and should be more intentional about once, you know, we're able to actually like have social activities for our children um again is trying to break up the gender binaries, you know. Um totally. I will say I do not recall anything approximating a co-ed sleepover. My mom was I like, I just remember the battery of questions regarding any adult men that were going to be in the house that my mother put me through, you know, Um, and there's... Mm -hmm. I understand that. Um, and and also, I think on some level, there are some things that are less common with black folks because of respectability politics and this idea that, you know, we have to conduct ourselves a certain way to be treated as humans. So the idea of letting your little girl sleep in a house with boys is just like completely unfathomable in ways that other parents might be able to, rec- you know, more comfortably just recognize like, OK, as long as we keep the kids, you know, Um, in reasonable sleeping conditions and they're not able to you know get too handsy it's fine it's not a huge deal and also kids experiment at sleepovers period it does not matter what assortment of gender you have in the room they're going to do it at some point so they're either going to do it with you know some of the girls they're going to do it with some boys and that's great and important and they should as much as we don't want to like be the facilitators of it like we also on some level understand that some of that experimentation is just part of what needs to happen um i just add like it would be really great because I know that these two boys want to make new friends and it may be less about like, I think I agree with what you're saying, Elizabeth. I think is that these girls want an all girl party, you know, which is a specific thing. It is the talking about boys. It is the type of movies that you're watching. It's the sort of jokes. It's the ability to, to you know, talk about your bodies in, in ways and, and hopefully good, healthy, affirmative things, just stuff you don't always want to do in front of boys, you know, like, Somebody might have gotten a period and and things like that, right? Like they they need that space. I think it's important for the boys to understand the value of all girl spaces and the value of you know I should say the ga- the value of I don't know. Hmm, that's tricky because I'm like I'm not trying to ostracize. I'm like I don't don't want to say the value of femme spaces. It sounds like this is a you know this the value of.
0: But like a, like a safe, of safe space. Spaces. Like what you're describing is these, these girls are asking for a safe space, which in it this case to happens all to be all girls. girls. Right? That's how that's how but, I interpret it. Yes. Right? But
1: it would be really nice maybe because you all are a family that's been in this community longer that you all could host some sort of party at some point and maybe that's the part two of the birthday, you know, not trying to put too much on your plate, you know, or, or maybe this is a summer party or something in a couple of months when more people are vaccinated, as Isaac uh, mentioned, that, you know, you all can host a little welcome to town thing, like a little barbecue or you know something where kids get together and can meet your nephews and they can make you know some more friends i think that's great advice
0: well good luck we would really like to know how everything goes and please 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 stay safe make sure you're you're doing the you know right thing for your community and check with everyone. We really want to make sure that um, you guys are safe and can have a good time if and when you have this party. So if you have a problem for us, email us at com or do what this listener did and post it in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Alright, moving on to recommendations. Jamila, what do you have for us?
1: So you may have noticed I've become a bit of a Starbucks fanatic over uh, the quarantine. Uh, I'm there a lot. There's one very close to us and like Naima likes to have lunch from there I am recommending the iced chocolate almond milk shaken espresso it's super good but if you don't enjoy nut milks in your coffee very much this one actually really for me it it tastes great um the chocolate and the almond together chef's kiss so the iced chocolate almond milk shaken espresso from Starbucks
0: Isaac what do you have for us?
2: I don't know how we would have gotten through this pandemic without television, to be completely honest. Uh, Iris has gone through a lot of different series. She had a long obsession... With the new Shira, which actually led to my uh, um, interviewing the uh, the showrunner of it for working to talk about their creative process and and stuff like that. So so it's actually been kind of a fun journey because like I like television. Sure, I'll watch television with you. And she recently burned through another Netflix kids show called Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, which is just delightful uh it's a post-apocalyptic story not what you think of as delightful but it's about a a a young woman who is you know in an underground you know vault who comes up to the surface where the human society has sort of been destroyed and there's these um anthropomorphic animals and then humans who kind of live alongside and and fight them and she tries to reconcile these sides she tries to teach the mutants and the humans to kind of live together uh, in peace It's got a great voiceover cast. It's very diverse in in all sorts of different ways, um, both in terms of character and voice cast. And it is extremely, extremely funny. So there's like a tribe of lumberjack cats. They're all human sized cats led by Leah Delaria. Um, who just want to like, you know, who, who get easily distracted every time the characters try to have a conversation with them. There's a whole plot line in one season where Kipo tries to have a prom so that the animals and humans can understand to live together happily. I mean, it's just very sweet. It's got an incredible sense of humor, really cool music, great visual style. It's just a deeply fun. It's like a show that you will find yourself laughing at, which is very rare when it comes to shows the kids watch. Uh, so I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, this sounds great. I am recommending a subscription box called Let's Make Art. And they have a bunch of boxes, but I am really loving the watercolor box because... I can actually do it with my kids. They have a kids box, um, which we have tried and is great. I've used that for our art curriculum, but I recently switched to this watercolor box. And actually their tutorials themselves are free on YouTube. The box sends you all of the materials. So if you already have a set of watercolors, you can go online and just take some of these classes, but it teaches you some watercolor techniques, but everything is so simple that you can really sit down and do it with your kids. And all of us sit down and do it together. The art, you know, runs the gamut of how it turns out. My art usually actually turns out like something I'm pretty proud of, which I feel like is a big a big thing because a lot of times when I do projects, I'm sort of like, what did I do here? But they do such a nice job kind of coaching you through it that you turn out with something you're excited about. And as a result, your kids come out with something they're really excited about too so i've really enjoyed doing these with my kids i've done a couple like on my own with a glass of wine at night to calm down but they're just a really great family box and again if you already have watercolors just go look up let's make art on youtube and you can try one of their classes Um, but for a fun something to do or stock up on with summer coming Well, that's it for our show. So one last time, if you want us to weigh in on your quandaries, email us at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us out, and plus that way you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, feel free to rate and review the show. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Isaac Butler, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp.